As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portsign here in a beautiful spring day, uh, Central Ohio, joined by Allison Lucan. Hello. And Tom Reed. Hello. We will have uh, Puck Daddy himself, Greg Wyshynski, join us later in the program. Much to talk about. A look back at round one, a little hint. Looking forward, perhaps, to round two. Can you believe it? The Blue Jackets are in round two. Uh, on Tuesday night, the Blue Jackets beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 7-3. to It was much closer than the score would indicate it, but they completed a four-game sweep of the Lightning. Uh, historic in many ways. First for the Blue Jackets franchise, their first playoff series win. And in the grand scheme of things, the first time that a President's Trophy winner has been swept in the first round. So infamy for for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Who could have seen this coming? Maybe, maybe the most optimistic Blue Jackets fan thought their team could win this series. I thought they had a fighter's chance to win a few games, a couple of games. Um, the idea that the Blue Jackets would sweep the Lightning is absolutely in, incredible. And now I think we're at a point where you sort of are thinking of the Blue Jackets differently right now than you did at any point during the season. Who are these guys? Uh, when did they learn to play quite like this, so together, so defensively sound for the most part? They just totally took Tampa off off of their game. Um, and I want to start with, with this because it was a great scene in Nationwide. Um, there's nothing quite like a fan base that hasn't been through it before. 
uh, that's been through a lot of struggles and, and been required to show a lot of patience through the years. To see them taste victory like that, as Nick Foligno said, it's intoxicating. Uh, but I thought maybe the coolest moment we've seen in that nationwide arena happened when the Lightning came back to make it 3-3. And the crowd, before the pucks even brought back to center ice for the ensuing faceoff, is chanting CBJ. Uh, just, I, I mean, they, a, a crowd that through the years has been taught to expect the worst sees a disappointing situation and turns it into uh, a moment to tell the team that they've got their back. And I think it was a minute and 23 seconds later or something pretty quick, Oliver Bjorkstrand puts the Blue Jackets back on top, four to three, and away they go. Uh, Allison, you were there. Amazing scene is how I paint the picture for me. <laughs> I mean, I think it was just, it, it was incredible. You captured the the biggest moment, I think, right there. And for the team to respond and just so many people I've talked to who were at the game, uh, someone told me yesterday that they, they had almost that, that tinnitus, that ringing in the ear after, like you have after a really loud concert because it was so loud. Um, and just the glow of, of fans and, people staying out to all hours the night after. But we, we talked about this a little before, and I think what struck me the most and was captured in that moment of cheering after the tie is it, it never felt desperate. It never felt of concern. It felt confident, and it felt like a celebration. And, and I think that was – the city's waited a long time for that, and I was just so happy that those fans got to experience that. Yeah. Tom, you've been around lots of teams that have lost like hell. <laughs> nice. Yes, they have. Uh, right? I mean, to see it turn. Oh, tell me what that's like. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, you guys have captured it. It was an incredible scene. And and to to add a little bit to what we we talked a little bit about this in our video post game video, and and again full marks to the Blue Jacket fans. And I think some people here know I'm a big Liverpool fan, and Liverpool is trying to win the title for the first time in 30 years this year. And there have been moments this season at Anfield, their home grounds, where the fans want it so much that when things start to go bad a little bit, it, it just unnerves the team because you can just sense the uneasiness and unrest to the point where the coaches had to go out and scream at the fans, like, get behind them. And that's what that moment reminded me of the other night, that they just like, like no, we're not going to – this is not the same old Blue Jackets – we're not going to worry they're going to fall apart. We're just going to throw it all out there and get behind them. And it was just absolute full marks to that crowd because they were fantastic. Every time the Lightning scored, they were right back there, as you described, before the puck was dropped, cheering for them, just trying to build the next wave of momentum. Yeah, that's amazing. And and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later with, with uh, Wish, but it is. It's weird. I've talked to people around the league today, working on stories, and and you people are totally reimagining or reconsidering what they what their thoughts are about the Blue Jackets just based on that opening series. That was not anything <laughs> like anybody saw at any point during the regular season, which is what probably why it happened, but also it makes it so startling. Um, Josh Anderson had been a behemoth late in the season, but he was a game changer in that series. Um, Sergei Bobrovsky, for the first time, pushed his his playoff bugaboos in the 
in the past and look like a Vezina Trophy winner after the regular season. You can go on and on. Uh, Alexander Texier, what a story this kid is. He's played six NHL games, four of them in the playoffs. Could have had a hat trick the other night. Uh, and the one guy that jumps out for me, too, is a, a proud veteran who's been long considered one of the best players in this league with absolutely no NHL Stanley Cup playoff uh, history of success. And I'm talking about Matt Duchesne, who came into this uh, series having played eight playoff games in his career. I think he had six points, all assists. And he was uh, a really, really good player for the Blue Jackets in in that first round. And I think he is, much like the Blue Jackets, I think he's now forcing people to reconsider his game. You look at the other side of the docket with, with uh, Tampa Bay, and Steven Stamkos was, I think he, he had a goal. and I, He was minus eight in that series. That is unfathomable. Uh, and meanwhile, Matt Duchesne, three goals, four assists, seven points, was plus five. I think he's brought the power play to life. I think he's found a fit at five on five. Um, are, are we are, are we seeing Matt Duchesne in a different light now than we have previously, Tom? Yeah, I think I think so. I, I think th- 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 what what made that such a compelling fit for me when they went out and got him is the Blue Jackets obviously needed that type of player, and 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 in some ways he needed them. He needed he need they they kind of went through this together, right? He's never had playoff success and had very few trips to the playoffs. The Blue Jackets in their entire history had only been there four times. So it was kind of an interesting marriage of, of, of the fact that this is kind of exactly what they needed. And, and the Blue Jackets provided Matt Duchesne this opportunity uh, to, 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 to take over and become the number one center here and, and play as well as he has. And he has, after about, he had a, about a week or two lull there where he was just okay. Ever since then, he has been the, you know, one of the catalysts of this team, uh, scoring timely goals, just making tremendous plays, just such a, uh, his playmaking and vision. I go back to, I think it was the game in Boston, against Boston, where he, he just made this, or maybe it was Montreal, where he made this great pass across the ice uh, after Marcus Nudevar. Uh, pass first. I think I should always say that because Allison will get on me. <laughs> but he's just made so many great plays uh, down the stretch, and just and just how he. I think the uh, the underrated thing about it is he how openly he talks about it, how yes. important this is to him, how important this is to the city, how important him coming to the city and him being embraced. Fans love to hear that kind of stuff, and I do think it is genuine. Now I don't know if that means. He's going to sign here after July 1st. That's not the topic. But I think he has been willing to share stuff that I think makes fans and probably his teammates like, wow, this is pretty cool that he, that a star like this who came here feels this way. And it's, and, you know, it, it's probably a little bit inspiring. Allison. On, on Matt Duchesne, yeah. I mean, he's, it, what's really struck me, I mean, he's obviously talented on the ice and, and, what stuck out most was it was it was I think in the first period of game four and and Tom who sits between Porty and I just leans over and says boy does Matt Duchesne know his way about a power play right I mean it's just it's really upped that unit but he's obviously skilled he has obviously brought that to this team on the ice but I agree with Tom what has struck me is just 
the open and just huge degree of emotion and joy he has shown. Uh, we didn't see it live, or I didn't see it live at least, but I think it was game three when he was awarded a star of the game, just how passionately he came out, just pure, raw celebration and how much he's talked about what this means. That's, that has what has stood out to me is, and, and what that says is the way he's speaking, my read on it at least, is that speaks to the full commitment to what they're trying to do on the ice, which is what was necessary for this team to win was um, someone I was talking to yesterday. They said the whole thing was how much the team bought in. The system was designed well, but a lot of guys did a lot of things that maybe they didn't want to do at first with full commitment. And, and Matt Duchesne's attitude shows us what that looks like outside of the play on the ice. And that was one of the first conversations that John Tortorella had with Matt Duchesne which was you're going to be playing against the best team, the other team's best players. And I, I, I can't remember. This has come up a few times. Duchesne has a reputation. I don't know if it's fair or not. Uh, a couple of reputations. A, that he doesn't defend hard, that he's all about points, and B, that the team gets better when he leaves, which is a harsh thing to say. He, you know, There are people saying nice things about cities. That's one thing. Um, there's, there's also something about saying, this is all I've ever wanted. That's different. Um, and it makes you, it makes you wonder where this might go. Let's bring uh, our old buddy wish in here. Ladies and gentlemen, puck daddy himself, Greg Wyshynski. Greg, thanks for joining us. Hey everybody. I'm, I'm sure this has been a lively conversation. Uh, always, <laughs> always. We're, we get bored talking about first round playoff wins around here though. <laughs> As you could imagine. Have you left Columbus or are you staying here to continue to soak up the glow, Greg? Nope. I, uh, I hopped a plane uh, to head back to the Bay Area to cover the, uh, the Sharks and Golden Knights. Nice. Uh, I made the mistake of trying to fly through O'Hare, which made my night quite long. Um, yep. So, uh, so, but I made it back in one piece and, and obviously really, really enjoyed my time uh, in Columbus for, for uh, various and sundry reasons. That's that's not the Blue Jackets as you have seen the Blue Jackets before. Am I correct to say? Uh, no, that is correct. I have not seen them win three games in a playoff series. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell me what you took away from that uh, that event, Game Four. There, just what the house was like, what the building, what just what that felt like from both directions. Both Columbus finally winning a playoff series, but also Tampa and the historic gag job that was their their first round. Well, you know, I, I, I was that enough of the Capitals playoff games through the years um, to know when the building feels like it believes and when the building doesn't and the synchronicity between that feeling uh, of the fans and the players. And from from the first period of, of game three on, you just kind of had a sense that there was this notion of this is going to happen. Like this is this is a, an advantage for this team over the lightning that they're not going to be able to overcome. Maybe some of that is the feeling of, of looking at the lightning and how disjointed they were. Maybe it's looking at the roster and not seeing Victor Hedman on it, knowing that is arguably, if not their best player, the second best player that's not in the series. Um, whatever it was, there was a sense that, of inevitability almost um, to the point where you walk into game four and you're like, they're probably going to end it tonight. I thought one of the best comments that John Tortorella made during his, uh, his availabilities 
was about how when uh, that, that a team has to learn how to win in the playoffs. You, 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 sometimes you just can't jump in and win right away. It, it takes a while. And, you know, making the playoffs three consecutive years, the first year is whatever. The second year, they win the first two games. They lose a series. They, they get an education about what it takes to then close out a team. And then they come back and, and actually do it in four games. I think there's something to be said for the continuity of this group, making the playoffs together, and understanding the ins and outs of winning. And more to the point, as he applied it, for Sergei Bobrovsky to figure out what needs to be done to be a successful playoff goalie, which I think was the huge X factor in the series, even beyond the defense in front of him and, and the additional scoring and everything else. Um, that was, for me, the determining factor in the series. Is all of a sudden you have the utmost confidence in Bob back there and when he didn't in previous seasons. Yeah. Um, what else do the Blue Jackets need to do, or have they done it already, in your opinion, Greg, to make what Yarmo Kekalainen did at the trade deadline worth it? I think they did it already because the, the bar for the franchise is set at win three playoff games. Uh, and then if you can get the series win, that's even better. I mean, they've clearly done more than they've ever done before. And, and uh, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily where Yarmo and, 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 and the organization set the bar. But for a lot of us, it's like, do better than you've ever done. And, and they've done it. And they did it in a, in a really spectacular way. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if, the, if, if they have to do more to, uh, to justify it beyond knocking out the, the best team in hockey in a sweep. Um, but it's, it's kudos to him. Like, I, I've been pretty outward in, in the notion of rooting for him and rooting for the team to do well because you want more player, you want more teams to be bold at the trade deadline and, yeah. and do the kinds of things that he did. And it's not just him. I mean, you look around the playoffs right now at what uh, you know, Duchesne did for the Jackets, what Stone did for, for, is doing for Vegas – and a few other examples that I think I think fortune has in many ways favored the bold so far in these playoffs. Interesting. Allison, go ahead. Yeah, Greg, we're so glad you're on the show, by the way, first and foremost. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, because, you know, Columbus kind of flies under the national radar and they, they come by that honestly, because to your point, they haven't had a lot of postseason success and and the franchise hasn't always been one that deserves a lot of talk. But maybe from your perspective, what do you think are are the things about Columbus as a team this year that that folks who don't actively follow the team don't know yet or are going to be surprised to discover whether it's in the roster or how they're playing? Maybe what stood out to you as a surprise? Well, as far as the 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 recognition of Columbus, um, you're right. It, it hasn't been there. And, and you're right. And why it hasn't been there, I think, as well. Um, and and that should change, I think, now that this has happened. I, I, I think the magnitude of the upset has drowned out a lot of other sort of subplots here. Um, Hedman being hurt being one of them, I think, is, you know, not a lot of people are talking about that. They're talking about the the giant collapse and choke job of a, of a legendary regular season team. And I think that the impact of this win on Columbus as a hockey market and what it means to the franchise and what it means to all the fans that have been coming year after year to watch a team uh, many times not make the playoffs at all, and then when they do lose in the first round, I think that hasn't necessarily been identified yet. Maybe it will by the time we get to game one of the next round, but I think nationally there's not been enough recognition of what this moment means for the for the people of Columbus. Um, the team itself and what I think of it, I I'm, listen, 
there are certain there's a certain template to a Stanley Cup champion in most years. Um, you need elite level offensive talent, and, and which they have in in, our, in Panarin and in uh, Duchesne and in Atkinson. Then you need uh, another layer of talent, and I think the emergence of guys like Josh Anderson, for example, and, and what Dubois can do is is that. You need a foundational franchise defenseman, and they have one in Seth Jones. Um, almost every Stanley Cup champion outside of the Penguins in that anomaly year where they didn't have Latang has had a guy like Seth Jones. And then you need a goaltender that can that can get the saves that you need. And Bob did that and beyond, I think, in the first round. Um, and then you need a kind of a foundation of defense in order to win a cup. And I think if the Jackets can forecheck the way they did in the first round, they have that too. So if you squint hard enough, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a roster that seems to fit that template of what you what you have when you're challenging for a, a cup. Um, and, you know, execution at the end of the day is always the key. But from a from a building blocks of a champion perspective, they kind of have that. And I don't think a lot of us really maybe identified that uh, before the playoffs started. Tom? Um, I, uh, I, I saw you were on outside the lines yesterday. And obviously, the, the, do you think nationally, or at, at what point does this start to become maybe – more about the Blue Jackets. Do the Blue Jackets have to continue to win for this to, to be about them? Because I think right now, from a national perspective, it's still, while that was really nice by what Columbus did, but wow, what a what a choke job uh, by the Lightning. How do you see that as far as, well, not, as, not, as far as the terms? Not only outside the lines. I was on NTR as <laughs> all things considered yesterday. There you go. The Jackets. And I should, I should thank them for, for uh, putting me in conversation with Audie Cornish, uh, who so told jealous. me that she is a huge fan of the name of uh, the podcast, Puck Soup. So there you go. That was my, 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 <laughs> my reward for the, for the Jackets winning. Um, here's what I think has to happen, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I think they have to win game one on the road of the next round. Yeah. And then that will be the... the, the, the um, artificial test that's passed uh, for this team being for real. Um, you know, if they walk into Boston or Toronto in the next round and it's like a 5-1 game and, and Bob's ordinary, then I think there's going to be a sense of, well, are they going to turn to a pumpkin? But if they go into who, either of those buildings and um, either win game one or acquit themselves well, I think the, the narrative will be there that this team is is for real and, and is worth paying attention but i mean i have been trying to scream from the from the mountaintops here about this team about like you know this ain't cinderella this ain't this ain't this ain't the 16 team beating the one seed in march madness this is the 13th best team in the league a league a team with a better record than three western conference playoff teams i mean i think the magnitude of of the lightning's regular season and their success uh really eclipsed that the, the notion that the jackets aren't you know a high school team out there against them. Like it's like, like they're, they're a really good team in, in a lot of ways uh, and, and better than three teams in the Western Conference this year. Which, um, all things considered, outside the lines, now front and nationwide, which <laughs> which is the biggest thrill for you? I mean, <laughs> I mean, clearly, clearly being on this podcast, I mean, and, and for the, the sole reason that, uh, you know, a good portion of the viewership of outside the lines uh, hasn't attacked me on Twitter, um, but many many members of the fifth line have. So this is a brave choice on your part uh, to have easy. me on the podcast. Take it easy on Puck Daddy. I'm weird. Wish when I get, I'm like um, I'm like Ed Grimley around NPR people. Remember, Ed <laughs> I, I can't believe that you talked 
Audie, to Audie Cornish. I met Terry Gross one time and I almost fell over. It's that. amazing, right? And and like I, uh, we bonded immediately because I, I I listened to the the NPR podcast I probably listen to most is uh, Pop Culture Happy Hour, and mm-hmm. she is a, a frequent guest uh, a panelist on that uh, podcast talking about various and sundry things. And so I. I, I, I think she enjoys doing that show. And I said that I enjoyed listening to her on that show. And then yeah. she, she and I talked hockey on NPR, which is, I mean, yeah. la, the last time I think I talked hockey on NPR is when I helped get John Scott in the all-star game, just to show you how uh, <laughs> rare <That is> so, <laughs> the, the occasion is that, that when that happens. That is so freaking cool. Um, I, I've talked to people around the league today working on a couple of stories and all of them and, and wish you, you touched on this a little bit. Uh, you touched on this quite a bit, but I want to talk to Allison and Tom to and get their thoughts on this because it, it seems such a foreign concept around here. The people who watch that team play in round one are saying, why not Columbus? Like they view them now as a contender. And part of it is the fact that they took out Tampa in four games, but part of it is they just passed the look test in all, in all ways. Like there are teams, we, we say this all the time. And I think people think that it, it's just sort of happy speaker or people trying to convince somebody that the regular season performance was actually it should be believed more than just the record but Columbus has the look of a team that's more of a series opponent than a game opponent like the postseason this is a team is almost built for postseason play because of the the attrition aspect of the style that they play um and Greg I'll just let you reiterate here should they be seen as a contender at this point Oh, absolutely. I mean, anybody who makes it past the first round should be considered a contender. But beyond that, um, the manner in which they did so is encouraging in the, in the, in the sense that if it is the the Maple Leafs next and, and they come at you with uh, the, the Marner-Tavares line and the Matthews line and, and what should be a better third line when Kadri is unsuspended, um, that they might be able to ha- handle that firepower and, and handle a team with that offensive depth because they just did it. Uh, there's some proof of concept there. The the one aspect of of their um, postseason journey uh, that I find really fascinating is, you know, T- Tampa has put it out there that they are, in some ways, a victim of their own success. You know, they they coasted from even before March um, when they when they clinched the playoff spot. They hadn't had a meaningful game in, in quite quite a long time, uh, and that's one of the reasons why they said they couldn't flip the switch. Columbus played playoff hockey for about two and a half weeks they won seven of eight games they did so in pretty emphatic fashion outside of that boston game um you know i think they gave up two or fewer goals and every one of those wins and they hit the ground running in the playoffs and my concern now is maybe they're going to be a victim of their own success they close out this series so early now they're just sitting around now now some of that momentum that you had going into the tampa series is, is just kind of like put to the to the side it's right. good for health it's good for attrition and and the statistics have shown that teams that have short playoff series early in the playoffs are the teams that end up going deep in most cases. But if I'm the Jackets, man, I, I want to get back out there. You know, it's going to be like upwards of potentially five, what, five or six days or something from their last game to their first one against the uh, the next opponent. So that's a that's a little bit of concern for me as the rust factor uh, facing this team because they were so good in the first round. Yeah. Tom Reed, Blue Jackets, Stanley Cup contender. Yay. Yeah, I mean, if if you've beaten the team, you know, one of the things I was talking to someone about this today, when when they made these moves, I think I wrote that, that I think part of the thing that the Blue Jackets thinking was Pittsburgh 
isn't Pittsburgh this year. They're still a good team. They still have Crosby and Malkin, but they just don't look like the Penguins of of, of some of the, the Stanley Cup vintage. And Washington has their hands full right now with Carolina. Uh, they were taken to overtime. and But I always thought, okay, well, they maybe this, this team can get by those teams, but they're not getting by Tampa Bay. Well, heck, they've gotten <laughs> by Tampa Bay. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, they have to be considered that right now. I, I, I you know, I shouldn't put throw this out there, with, given where my picks have gone in the first round. <laughs> I think it's going to be Boston, and that'll be a hell of a series. Oh, my goodness, they better bring the ice back for that one if it is Boston, because those are two heavy teams uh, that yeah. that will be a great series if it's that way. A bruiser series. Allison, your thoughts on this Blue Jacket team and, they finally won a series, and now we're crowning them candidates of or uh, contenders to win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm I'm very much with Greg on the point of um, the schedule. That's that is, I will hold my final vote of confidence until I see how they come out in Game One because I'm just really intrigued to see how they handle this relatively long stretch of time until they play again. Um, because that's going to be the mental side of this, the mental work. Um, I'm also intrigued about this stretch of time because does it allow for any one of their three injured defensemen to come back? Because if if they can get any one, uh, heaven forbid, two of them back, yes, I think that this is a group that can really, really, really make a run. But if, if they cannot, I think the defense is going to be, I mean, there is talent for sure. Um, there now, but without some of those guys able to return to the game, I think it might be a tougher road than the Jackets really want it to be. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, Wish, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the work you did here this, these uh, couple days in Columbus. Always good to see you. Yeah, and and the weird thing is I'll be seeing you again. <laughs> Which is not, again, not always the case in the playoffs, but I know I'll be seeing you around. Yeah, for, you uh, whatever comes out of that next series, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. And again, I'm I'm so happy for for Jackets fans. I'm so happy for the organization. Um, you know, I've I've covered this team for a long time from afar, and I've covered it during the Rick Nash years, and I covered it during first round defeats. I was in Columbus last year when they lost to the Capitals, and. And uh, it's, it's a long time coming. And, you know, when I was a kid, as a Devils fan, uh, you never forget your first time. And, you know, I don't, I'll always remember 1988 when they finally made the playoffs and then and also won a, play, a couple of rounds. It's, uh, it's a great journey. And, and the people from the outside uh, that always bemoan uh, Columbus as a, as, a, as a market sometimes have no concept of what the opportunity to live and die with your team in a playoff run does for a fan base. So it's exciting that it's finally happening. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks for joining us. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. Now, Allison, you touched just a second ago on, on the, how important this stretch can be for the Blue Jackets just to get healthy. Again, I think one of the under sort of appreciated story of the first round performance by the Blue Jackets is that they did what they did with three of their defensemen out of the lineup. Uh, Marcus Nudevara missed the last two games after the hit from from Kucherov. Um, the, and, you know, we haven't seen McQuaid since late March after the hit from Andrew Shaw. We haven't seen Ryan Murray since middle of February. Um, where these guys stand, they've been skating. We've been told Murray's feeling better. Uh, we haven't seen McQuaid, I don't think, join practice yet. 
but you wonder what a little gap here might might help them with in terms of getting those guys back. Something else is Vladislav Gavrikov, I think, is expected into town this weekend. Uh, if he could join the team for practice uh, before that next series starts, and he could very well draw in. Um, I, I think who they play in the second round, if it's Toronto or if it's Boston, could decide which way they go uh, with that defense, because Dean Kukan's played really, really well as a puck mover. And if, if if they're playing a very quick, skilled team like Toronto, I could see Kukan maybe sticking in the lineup, uh, even when they start to get healthy. And maybe you hold Gavrikov for a team like Boston. Gavrikov's a big guy, 6'3", about 210. Um, not, a, not a huge hitter by any stretch, but a very sturdy player. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see what he looks like. Uh, and and um, how cool that the Blue Jackets keep bringing reinforcements in here uh, late in the season. A couple other news and notes. The uh, the baby Blue Jackets, if you will, they open, uh, Cleveland Monsters open the playoff series on Friday against Syracuse. And how cool is this? The two AHL affiliates of Columbus and Tampa are also playing <laughs> in the playoffs. So you're going to get a real organizational read here on these two teams. Um uh, Allison, what else do we need to add before we march out of here? I just wanted to to throw out, you know, we we do have this time where we can kind of look back on some of the bigger stories of of the series. And um, I put a story up uh, Thursday. I don't even know what day it is anymore. Um, just the significance of of the captain Nick Felino being the one who got the Jackets going offensively. He gets that first goal in Tampa, and uh, talking to some of the guys after, and, and even Jody Shelley just reflecting now on that moment because as, as we know and as fans know Nick is the guy who's always talking for the team he's always taking questions he's always out there he's, he's he's got a lot of words but for the team to see their leader put those words into action and and kind of break through the mindset that Tampa Bay was unbeatable and Vasilevsky was unbeatable um, really helped turn the tide mentally for this group and and really was one of the initial triggers of the Jackets winning the game and then the series. High blocker. High blocker. That's where it all started. Good read. Uh, Tom, you have anything else to add? No. Just read Allison's story today. It'll be awesome. You're the best in the business. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, yeah, the content's going to keep flowing. Find out here maybe soon. That Toronto-Boston series is 2-2. Uh, we'll find out soon where the Blue Jackets are headed next. They will open on the road. We know that. Um, and it's just going to get more interesting from here. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. Thanks for watching. And we will talk to you soon. 